0: What's up, members of the Hill Valley Preservation Society? This is the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, the podcast for cover band musicians and band leaders to learn some new tricks and to find a better way. Here in Atlanta, Georgia,
1: I am Adam Johnson. Here in Greensboro, North Carolina, I'm Dan Wright.
0: That reference uh, came to the fact that there is a clock tower ringing over in Dan's neck of the woods that was being picked up because it is on the O'Clock when we are recording this.
1: Yes, yes, the very o'clock. That's actually the final o'clock that that clock rings in the night.
0: Uh, It's very responsible of them to not do it all night long.
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah, I'd be annoyed if it rang midnight.
0: That is, uh, that would be accurate. How's your week going so far?
1: You know, I can't complain. Um, uh, here's, um, so today I got a text from the young man who booked us for that frat party a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Looking to book us again. Sweet. Gotta love a rebook. And, uh. Cleared the uh, date with the guys. It's going to take a little something for my basis to get there, but he can do it. And so we uh, we rebooked that thing today. Biggity bam. It's a beach-themed frat party. Nice. So we'll probably do the shorts and flower flowered shirt uh, action. Maybe some cheeseburger in paradise. Very, yeah, entirely possible. Uh, Margaritaville, I guess, is a no-brainer. Yep. Those kids went so nuts for um, country roads. I'm sure they know Margaritaville.
0: Toes in the water. That might be a good one. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: We'll have to work it out.
0: Yep. That that can be an offline conversation, I suppose. It <laughs> <laughs> might have to be. Um well, How good. About you? Uh, we also locked down um we locked down a date for uh, a municipal event uh, on july fifth, mm-hmm. um, which appears to be uh something that's happening because the fourth is on a Thursday. Um but they're uh they're they are providing production and they're paying our full fee, so I'm sweet. pretty flippin' stoked. Yeah, that's and great. Uh, I don't have to be outside all day on the Fourth of July.
1: Oh, nice!
0: So that's pretty sweet. Um, also, got a negotiation for potentially doing another big outdoor event where um, the headliners, I think there's a there's a Madonna tribute, a Michael Jackson tribute, and a Prince tribute, and and. Hmm. So, if we can make the numbers work, we would be potentially opening that. Um, cool. Which would be good exposure, and I would probably do for not a whole lot of money because, I mean, that is about as captive an audience as you can get uh, when you're in the wheelhouse that we are in. Yep. And um, also, I have been preoccupied by um, building another website for a thing. I have, you know, I have those ideas, and then I build them, and so
1: always about ideas. um,
0: This is one I've been toying with for a little bit, but uh, I actually sat down and did the work. And um, there, once I, (laughs) I got to get some uh, some cash back in the, uh, in the account, and I'll probably be launching that. And the reason why my account is low is, I paid off our PA last week. Awesome, good job. So that feels really nice, but um, based on a couple of conversations I've had with my business partners, uh, I might be (laughs) buying another one. Well, So we'll see. Trying to get some of that passive income, that mailbox money that everybody's talking about.
1: I do love that. What, would you be renting it out?
0: Yeah, um, our front of house guy and admin, um, the lovely Ben who listens uh, intently and um, gives me... Really unnecessary feedback on how things sound on the episodes. Uh, Mind your own, (laughs) gosh darn business, Ben. Really, Um, really,
1: hands off our our production Ben. Yeah,
0: but um, he uh, he works in production. That is his full time gig, and he does it with us. And he's looking. um, We had discussed renting our PA out um, as a part of that business, and um, you know the ideal scenario would be to have uh, a PA that is not um, bit. Trothed or beholden to us um, Mm -hmm. that can be rented out so we're just kind of playing the angles and figuring out the best way to do that Um, we might be able to uh, take the time to acquire the money using the existing rentals to purchase a new one but we just don't know quite yet but it's something that's on the table and um, if the money coming in justifies the money going out then uh, that might be happening sooner rather than later
1: that's cool so that's cool. Hey, did you see the new um speaking of things that might get bought sometime yep. fairly soon. Um, this was announced at NAM it's uh Sennheiser's new wireless Systems? Have you heard about?
0: This? Yeah, I, I've seen them. Um, they've got a bunch of different options. It's a very modular approach to what they're doing.
1: Yeah, and and I, I'm looking at the XLR version. You know, it's it's if you haven't seen it, it's essentially what you imagined a wireless mic setup might look like when you were twelve. Yeah. it's you know a little black plug that goes on the back of any old mic and then plugs into the XLR in on your mixer, and um, it's supposed to have five hours of um, rechargeable battery life and have what was it, 80 meters of range, which yep. would be more than plenty for us. Um, and it's Sennheiser, so it's hard to go wrong. I don't know. I'm looking at it. It's 300 bucks for the pair. Yep. Um, so price is right. It's. Um, I mean, certainly it's not going to compete with their multi-thousand units. I, I don't have no illusion of that. But yeah. um, boy, pretty slick.
0: Yeah, I mean... Right now, the thing that I'm in the market for is a wireless guitar unit because mine's kind of starting to show its age. Um, and, and it's right in line with the G10S uh, that mm-hmm. Line 6 just announced, and I'm just mm-hmm. trying to I'm trying to figure that out.
1: I liked my G10, but it wasn't really gig-worthy, so the G10S is the fix for that. Yep. It's, I think it's quite good. I'm just not sure how I feel about um, a bug in
0: my uh, output jack.
1: I, it took me a while to um, <clears throat> be fully comfortable. I'm sorry, I take that back. I had the same concern before I plugged it in, and mm-hmm. then once I had it plugged in, like, there was nothing else I wanted. You know, I didn't... Uh, the, the system I have now, I like. It's a PRA WIC system, which is little known, but actually very, very good. Yeah. Um, and it has a cable that comes out, and you wrap it around and clip the transmitter onto your, your strap or whatever, and that's fine, but um, but I did like having a bug that just plugged in there. I never felt like I was gonna bonk it against anything. Or, yeah, that's my main I concern. Just, yeah, I, I just... Uh, I had that concern before I tried it, and then that was immediately gone once I had it plugged in. The one never came up. Cool. One time I did kick it while it was head heads down in the charger and broke the transmitter. I had Eww. to get a new transmitter because I kicked the thing. Drek. But that was my own clumsiness. And yeah, it had really to do with the you know form factor. Cool.
0: Well, uh, don't have a whole lot else going on other than you know launching the website and that'll be something to talk about on on another um, episode. Um, you know we we tend to really we kind of kick into one side or the other. That would be a, more of a business side type deal. But we have um, some real nuts and bolts stuff to talk about this evening. Sure do. So we teased it last week that we were talking about... Um, we're doing an entire episode for singers. And we uh, solicited advice and questions from the uh, the peanut gallery, as it were. And boy, howdy, did you guys <laughs> reach out to us. Um, I got a... Man, we got quite a number of uh, questions, and so if we uh, we could mess around and end up making a two-parter out of this, but uh, I know a lot of people are happy that we haven't hit the 10-minute mark and we're about to get into the meat of the discussion. <laughs> we do get that feedback, too, yeah. Yeah, so um, we might get through all of these, but if not, there might be a part two or maybe like sure. a half part, maybe like a mini-sode sure. or something, but we'll see how far we get. So this is... Um, this is all of the questions that were sent to us, uh, about singing. And, uh, you know, as singers, we have a unique job in that, um, it's not just, uh, practice your rudiments, practice your scales, go out there and, you know, reproduce everything. You know, there's, <laughs> our, our instrument is a bit more temperamental, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately. So um, that's what a lot of the questions uh, are referencing. And then there's definitely some kind of artistic questions about, you know, song selection and, you know, arrangements and things like that. So there's definitely a lot to dig into. So we will go ahead and start. I um, want to thank all of you guys for um, asking and messaging us and submitting stuff. Um, it's been really, really fun to uh, to kind of get into this with you guys. So we will go ahead and kick this whole thing off. So Dan, what kind of, do you have any sort of ritual or any sort of routine that is, you know, something that you do gig in and gig out?
1: I do. Yeah, I do. Um, What is it? I do. So, um, day of the show, I hydrate hard starting at about noon and, uh, pee a lot. And that's um, crucial. <clears throat> it would, don't do one without the other. Yes, that's fair. You'll, yeah. You'll have trouble on stage. Um, um, I avoid dairy all day long. Yeah. Um, don't go near dairy all day long. Uh, found that even like breakfast cereal with milk on it has an impact on me at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, you know, when I'm, I know a lot of singers have, um, warm up, regimens that are complex and designed and intentional. And I don't really have that. What I do is as I'm driving to the gig, I sing along with the radio or if there's songs that are new, I put them on and sing along with them. As I'm setting up, I sing along with house music at increasing volume until I'm finally at pretty much gig volume. And by that time we're set up and ready to sound check, my voice is ready to go. Gotcha. Um, and, and And the fact is, you know, even sometimes, it's a few songs in before I really feel like I have my full voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and then there are nights when I never find it. Yeah. Um, but um, I find that just warming up around normal music that's in my genre and maybe even what I'm going to be doing that night is, is about the right kind of warm-up routine for me.
0: Cool. Yeah. What do you do? So, well, I, I wanted to kind of double back on some of the things that you were talking about. So you said hydration. Hydration is very important because, mm-hmm. you know, you're – uh, your vocal cords are a muscle, and in order for them to function properly, they need to be well hydrated. Um, and the, the, the water that you ingest the, you know, three to four hours before you go on stage matters way, way more than whatever water you may, you know, drink while you're performing. Um,
1: Although don't not drink while you're performing. Sure.
0: Uh, the thing that actually—that's honestly what gets a lot of people in trouble when you have alcohol on stage—is because you are thirsty and you right. tend to imbibe um, right. alcohol at the rate that you would imbibe water, and yep. then things get messy. Um, and then you would reference no dairy. Now, why mm-hmm. should singers not consume dairy day of? Dairy promotes mucus. It does. It promotes it. It's a—it's a sponsored ad for mucus.
1: It is. It it it, it, um, it is targeted. Sends- <laughs> outside the the venue and hands out cards for mucus. Yeah, um, give you a copy of Mucus's mixtape, and sure. um, and so it just gives you it gets you phlegmy and it gets you sounding all throaty and clunky and yucky. So I don't. Um, much as I, it's, I am a I am a great fan of cheese. Yeah, but not on gig day.
0: Um, are you a uh, an acid reflux sufferer? No, not really. Not yeah. really. I know for some people um, who have that issue, if you have acid reflux, um, certain foods can also affect your voice on uh, on gig days. For sure. So, any any high acid stuff like tomatoes or spicy foods or red wine and that kind of stuff can also
1: affect um, the way that you sing. It's um, very true. Also, by the way, it is possible to have acid reflux and not feel it like heartburn. Mm-hmm. So, if you've if if you look back at your singing career and connect those times when your voice just never got out of your throat you know you were like a horse all night if you can connect that with diet even though you didn't necessarily feel anything it might very well be acid reflux is happening silently for you yeah and that's something for you to pay attention to it's not that doesn't really particularly afflict me but but I, i've known people who have that and and don't have like physical pain symptoms of it just certain foods just mess with their voice sure so, you know, what
0: we're basically saying is your body is a temple and you need to fill it with good things if you want your voice to behave the, the way that you want it to. Now that being said, it, there 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 is a bit
1: of And but by the way, you, you say my body is a temple and I immediately the um the song that flashes in my head is one night in Bangkok. <laughs> I get my kicks above the waistline, <laughs> that's sunshine. Right, that's right. That's right. Um don't know quite what the connection is there, but yeah. Yeah, it is.
0: Yeah, I mean it, it is there, again, there, there's also a bit of inside baseball, kind of black magic to it that you can, you know, you can eat half a, you know, half a buffalo chicken pizza before a gig, and the crowd's good, and you're just kind of in the in the zone, and you can just oh, crush it.
1: It's so nonlinear. It's so not cause and. effect. I mean, there 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 is a cause and effect, but it's so complex. Um, sometimes it's impossible to draw the connections.
0: Yeah. So there there is no like if you follow x y and z then your voice will always be great. There's it's just it doesn't work that way unfortunately. No. Um cuz there's definitely been times when I've eaten like garbage and did fine and there were plenty of times where I ate no, you know like a good boy and had <laughs> terrible gigs. <laughs> I ate like a choir boy. You know, like, oh, I'll be vegan today, and then you know, you're so mad at the fact that you haven't had anything good to eat that, you know, right. you're just in a bad mood, and then right. you don't sing well.
1: I have it aside. Okay, do it. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, the the boss of my boss's boss was in town, and, um, and he took us all out for beers. He's a good guy. Yeah. You know, took us out for beers. And the next morning, he was um, hanging out in the office. We were just kind of standing around with him, and he mentioned that he's been vegan for two and a half years. And the one thing that you know never changes, no matter how he's moved his diet around, his beer. That's but I true. managed. I managed to not point out that yeast are animals. Oh yeah, I managed to not say anything about that. I was pretty proud of myself. <laughs> anyway, go on.
0: So, um, you know, there, there's also a bit of a component for um, for alcohol there. Um, alcohol by design. Does not uh, doesn't really lend itself to singing well. Um, not again. Not saying that alcohol doesn't play a part in making you sing better or worse. Uh, I know that the amount of alcohol I imbibe impacts my perception of how well I'm singing.
1: <laughs> That's true. That's true. I have to hit just the right balance, and, I, and I've kind of have it dialed in. Um, and it can get totally messed up by one person buying me a shot. Yeah. Um, we had a show a few months ago that, um, and it was a four-hour-long bar gig, which you know that's about my limit anyway. Yeah. Um, and there was this dude who kept sending us fireballs, and I can't Ooh. do. Oh, man! But you know, thank thanks, buddy. I, you know, and he turned up to two or three shows after that. So drinking his hooch was the right move. But for all of us, man, the third set we were just <laughs>
0: it was a mess. MC we hammered. Mess. Yeah, it was brutal. You, don't you know the coyote ugly trick? Did you ever see that um,
1: movie? Pour it down my, the cleavage of my shirt? No,
0: that's a different movie. But oh. that, thanks for shedding some light on your uh, watching habits. Hey,
1: you know what? I do what I can.
0: Um, now, in that movie, what they would do is they would, if you know, a guy bought them a shot, they would shoot it, and then they would quote-unquote chase it with their beer. But the beer bottle was empty, so they would actually just spit the, the shot back into the beer bottle. It's clever. And there's definitely been gigs where, like, I have poured water in beer bottles because we were, you know, sponsored by that, you know, company. And mm-hmm. we were, you know, supposed to be like, oh, yeah, we're having a great time. And Sober's judges because, you know, all the beer bottles are full of water. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely been a thing. And, uh, you know, if we're talking about the science of, you know, singing and alcohol, you know, if you've got, if you're doing two sets or three sets, the, the drink you're having on the third set isn't affecting your voice at all. No. Because um, it's not going to metabolize and hit any of that stuff until well after you're done.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you know, we've had those gigs where it's like, oh, I don't want to get too crazy, so I'll front load. But actually, if you front load your gig, you're really kind of kicking yourself in the foot.
1: You'll um, feel it by the third set.
0: Right, you'll feel it by the fir- third set, but really only in the parts you don't want to feel it. That's right. So, um, like I said, there's no... There's no hard, fast rules, but if you can err on the side of, you know, being good to your body, um, it probably won't go out on you unless, you know, your head's not in the game. Anyway, moving on. Um, do you warm up, Dan?
1: Well, like I said, it's a it's an informal process that um, ends up with me kind of belting it uh, at gig volume along to whatever's on the house PA.
0: Yeah, so... I uh, I am a warm up guy. I don't have like it depends on it depends on a number of factors. Um, the one probably most important is can I find a place that is <laughs> quiet enough um, or loud enough to do those uh, warm up scales without bothering anybody? Because uh, if we're all stuck in a green room, the last thing that your band wants to hear is you going <laughs> may 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 may. Um, but what I tend to do because you can you can warm up basically all day long sure. um, something that I like to do in the mornings just to kind of get the old chords warmed up is uh, some vocal fry for those of you who don 't know what that is it's where you kind of you 're trying to eke out just the lowest amount of air that you can get between your vocal cords uh, and it, you shouldn 't do it all the time but if you 're trying to just kind of get blood flowing to them um it's it's kind of a good way to wake your vocal cords up especially like if you have to sing in the morning or um you're just trying to get the ball rolling like if you're in the shower if you could just just get real real low like try to sing the lowest note that you can until your voice kind of gives out and it kind of sounds like like a creaking door like uh so doing that. I don't know, a couple of breaths f- for a couple of minutes, that, that kind of brings some blood flow to your vocal cords and kind of gets them woken up.
1: Um, it also makes you sound like a 24-year-old woman.
0: Well, like if you're talking like this the whole time. Just like and... that. Uh, yeah. Don't do that because no. that will actually... <laughs> it's really bad for you. Yeah, it's terrible for your voice. Um, so do it a little bit, but don't do it a lot because you'll sound like a sexy baby. And that's
1: not what you want.
0: No. Nobody wants that. Uh, <laughs> and then um, other stuff I do as we're kind of setting up and just on the car ride there is uh, I, I people hate them, but I do the little lip bubbles. And um, so you're I'll demonstrate, just, right? Yeah, I'll demonstrate because that was one of the things that you jackasses wanted to hear uh, <laughs> based on the questions that we got. <laughs> Made me so glad that I don't do any of this stuff. It's... Well... <laughs> the li- the the reason why pe- singers do them is because they do they do something to the mechanics of your voice that yes um, so they're
1: valuable I just don't do them
0: yeah they do something to your voice that you can't replicate in other things um, it helps you uh, switch um, voices not really voices but kind of s- there are certain mechanisms that control how low you sing and how high you sing and doing lip bubbles with your mouth closed kind of um, streamlines that process, so this one is also about a lot uh, a lot about breath control, so you want to make sure that you 're passing enough uh, air through your lips to keep them vibrating, but you k- if you do too little, then nothing comes out, and if you do too much, then the air will escapes. so you want to get kind of like a <laughs> nice and consistent and what you want to do is you kind of start on the low end and you go as high as you can go, and then you come back down kind of like a siren so <laughs> And just do that, you know, when nobody's listening,
1: (laughs) when you're by (laughs) yourself and no one's there to judge you. When you're not on a podcast.
0: Yeah, when you're not on a podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, Doing that lightly kind of, again, just gets your uh, voice accustomed to doing those kinds of uh, kind of flexing and – you know, creating pitches and that kind of thing, so that's a nice one to do um, if i've got the time and the space to do it i've got a full blown uh, warm up m p three that goes from lower than I can sing to about as high as I feel like singing in a night um, and straight up it's it's about twenty minutes it's like two rounds of like an eight and a half minute process, and if I do that. About an hour before we go on stage, I walk out and I am just ready. Mm. We could go out there and sing the highest song that I've got to sing that night. And I don't feel like there's no, there's no kind of like working my way into it. Like I can stand and deliver. Um, and the other question was how long before you do it. So as far as warming up goes, you have to understand that your voice is a muscle it's something that needs to be exercised, you know. Just like when you started out, you couldn't necessarily do an hour straight or two hours straight, but you kind of build up that stamina. Um, there is a there is an exhaustion point, so you don't want to overdo it. So I would say the amount of warming up that you do should be inversely proportionate to the amount of singing you're going to have to do after you warm up. Yep. So if you're going on, let's say you've got you guys got a radio show, or you've got a you, you're going on morning. TV, and you get to do three songs. Um, you should warm up as much as you possibly can before those three songs. If you're playing for three hours, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really push it too much. You just want to make sure that you're good and limber um, before you go out there. And you can also use the first few songs of the set to continue that process.
1: Totally, you got to strategize that. You know, if you need to hit three songs hard, you got to do the work to make sure you're ready, and, and you don't need to worry about burning out your voice. I, I often. Um, Design a set with sort of non-challenging first three, four, five songs, Um, just so I can ease in. I never, I've never really felt like I hit the stage not ready. But even so, it's good to it's good to have songs that are bangers on guitar and maybe not so much on voice for the first few tunes. Um, There was a,
0: I guess at the end of last year, we kept doing the same, basically the same set list over and over, and it had "Take on Me" by Aha. Um, like three the, songs the, in
1: the Marina set list.
0: Yes, the the infamous Marina list. Um, yeah. But yeah, take on me was like three or four songs in, and um, I finally was like, enough's enough. Uh, it's just not. <laughs> it's not in the right spot. Yeah. So it you know at this point now it's probably six or seven songs in. It's about halfway through the first set, and That's by good. the time it hits, then um, I've gotten. I've kind of gotten all the all, all the willies shaken out, and and you know the nerves are gone, and then I can just kind of do what I need to do.
1: Yeah, well, and even aside from performance, by then you're connected with the audience. Yep. And, you know, it takes them a while to warm up to you, no matter yes. how good you are. So, yeah, you know, all good.
0: Yep. So um, another question is: Do you warm down after a gig? If so, how important is it? I don't. So, this is one of those things that I think that I would challenge you to do, you specifically yeah, I, and all the guys all, all the guys <laughs> and gals who listen to this
1: yeah,
0: so let me explain why um, I used to the, the band that I was in before was a very aggressive group, so I was singing real high with a lot of grit and just completely just. Crushing my voice every night. So I'd go out and I'd, 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 I'd get my warm up in and I'd be good to go. And I'd go out and I'd scream my balls off for two straight hours. And then I'd go to sleep. And I'd wake up the next day and I would sound, you know, yeah. like Harvey Firestein or something. Just everything down here and it's all terrible and it's all
1: low. And the, New Yorkie, all of I a sudden.
0: Mean. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it was the weirdest thing. Huh. Um, I had somebody go, hey, uh, at the end of the night, start doing these. Start sliding down from the top of your range to the bottom of your range while you're loading out and on the drive home. So going, Ooh, just kind of over and over. Do it, you know, with your mouth closed. You can do it while the house music's playing. Nobody even hears you doing it. And I woke and, and I did that. And I woke up the next day, and my voice felt fine. And I was like, hmm, hmm. So, for any of you who do gig on the weekends and then wake up feeling like you've gargled razor blades or like you just feel worn out, uh, give that a shot because it does make a huge difference. Um, just anecdotally, and as a person who has sung professionally for the past, I don't know, fifteen years,
1: it it, it works. Okay, I'll take it on. I will say this: ever since um, committing to the in ears, I don't feel that way in the morning.
0: Yeah, that definitely does help. So, but but yeah, I'll try it. I'll try it. I'm game. Cause like even with inners in, by the end of the night, I'm I'm leaning into my chords a bit more. You know, we, sure. the last sure. songs that we do were you know like "Sweet Child of Mine" and "Don't Stop Believing" and "Pour Some Sugar on Me." Stuff that where where I gotta kind of turn the grit up a little bit. And mm-hmm. so at the end of the night, I'm I'm singing at the top of my range, like the roughest way that I possibly can. So yeah. it's nice yeah. to kind of give the old chords a nice little massage on their way home. So oh. good stuff. Um, so the next question was, can you demonstrate any vocal exercises you do? (laughs) Um, I will say this, another one that I, I do kind of regularly. Um, so the lip bubbles are great. Um, but as far as like an exercise in how to kind of build up strength or build your range, um, another one that I do fairly regularly are sirens, and they're the most obnoxious of the vocal exercises, and you should definitely only do them while you're alone because people will think you're crazy but the uh The objective is the same as the lip bubbles, but instead of doing it you know with you know going like you ha you you do it full voice um so it's and like just do that over and over again. Um, and what that allows you to, and, and I don't know if you noticed, but when I started going up to my upper range, my voice didn't crack. Did did you did you catch I that? I did notice
1: that. I did notice that. Yeah. Very so smooth.
0: there is a um, the the term is 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 passaggio. It is the um, the part of your voice where you're, you know you would typically crack or go into your falsetto. Um, and, and a lot of people think that like, you know, chest voice and head voice are two separate things. But in reality, mm. you've only got one voice. Mm. Um, your head voice is just a timbre that you can deliver. So there's a difference between, you know, singing like Gibb and doing everything like this. But I can also, if you, if you can develop that passaggio and you can get those muscles accustomed to that sliding sensation, you can sing like that at full voice. Because you only have one voice. And if you know, if you have the right placement and you have the right breath control, you can do those notes full out without, you know, having to kind of, I guess you would say, kind of pull back um, vocally. Yeah. So, because there's, there's no difference between going, ah, and ah, same notes, just a different way same of doing notes. it.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, your larynx has to, your cords have to vibrate at a frequency to get you there. It's not yeah. like... You know when you say you have one voice, it's not you know what you mean is it's all vibration happening in your body I mean, It's just a matter of where you put it.
0: yeah, you know when when you hear voice teachers talk about this kind of stuff, you hear all kinds of like you should it should feel like this, and it should do like this. The thing that that clicked with me is that the um, based on how high you are singing or how low you're singing, the the focus of your resonance changes. Mm-hmm. So as you, when you sing low, it's going to be kind of deeper into your chest, like, where, you know, down kind of in where your lungs are. And as the voice uh, continues to rise, that, that resonance center rises. Mm-hmm. And so when you start getting up into the upper range, it's going to start resonating kind of up into your sinuses and, and, and in, in that area.
1: Um, so- well, and you can feel it all the way up to the top. You can go you know it, pl- placement is is a uh, an amazing thing yeah. um, you know you can you can move the <clears throat> the resonance around in your mouth and get different tones mm-hmm. right you can move it around in your throat and get different tones um, <clears throat> i think a lot of casual singers don't really experiment with that but it's yeah. it's interesting
0: yeah i when when i was kind of like pursuing the screaming um Concept and for those of you who don't know, there there is a uh, there's a correct way of screaming where you can uh, make these horrific sounds without damaging your voice. Mm-hmm. Um, there's really only one or two actual <clears throat> noises that are generated, and all of the um, the timbre and the deepness and the or the highness is is actually more about mouth shapes. Right. So you know, there's lots of like like with your tongue up in into you know your soft palate or you know if your mouth is open it it sounds higher and if your mouth is closed and focused it sounds lower but it's really it's just the same sound being kind of manipulated by the space that it takes up
1: yep i was trained when i took i haven't taken a lot of vocal training but but that that i did take um trained me to open my mouth wider than i see a lot of people generally doing it and i i only know that because at the end of the night my jaw is sore mm and because in pictures i'm my mouth's really wide open while I sing, yeah, um, but you know that helps me a lot with projection, it helps me a lot with um, uh, just volume, first of all, yeah, but then the the more I can lift my palate up out of the way, the cleaner I can get higher, yeah, um, and that is a, um, <laughs> I'm making gestures at my face that you can't see, as sure I describe this, but um. You know, opening my mouth wide and sort of dropping my jaw loosely, not hard, but dropping, not open, opening my mouth is probably not right. I, I drop my jaw.
0: Yeah, you're and, basically
1: and, <clears> kind <throat> of widening
0: the, the highway coming out of your face.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you, if you imagine, your face is like the bell of a trumpet. Yeah. That's kind of the, that's kind of the picture of it. Um, and literally, if you see a picture of me singing in full voice, it's...
0: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty out there. Your, yeah. your, your face is pretty open. It's wide open, yeah. Well, and also... Yeah, you're
1: like a, you're like a um, Demogorgon.
0: Yes. With all the flaps.
1: All the flaps.
0: Um, the other thing is, is that when you are singing and your mouth is closed or more closed, you also tend to generate tension in the muscles around For where sure. you're, where you're, where the sound is coming out, and that can cause issues as well. You don't have you know, to necessarily, you know, sit there with your, you know somebody could put a fist in your mouth if, if the microphone wasn't there, but um, definitely think about um, how you are, uh, like, how are you projecting? How's the sound coming out? Yep. And for, you know, and if you're trying to do imp- like an impersonation per se of the person who's singing it, really the, the thing that makes people sound the way they sound is the way that they pronounce things. Mm-hmm. So we, we were kind of joking around the other, t- uh, a couple of weeks ago, talking about uh, Michael McDonald with the yawn. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's it, it's very much, it's it's got more to do with his placement than it does anything else. But it is, it's very back of the throat kind of, um, it, it, you have to raise that soft palate, kind of open the back of your throat up. And it, it, it's got less to do with how open your mouth is and how open everything else is.
1: Right. Yeah, but he's unusual. I mean, that's part of what makes his voice distinct. If you listen to almost any pop singer, what's distinct about their voice is their diction. Yeah. You know, how they, how they pronounce consonants, how they shape vowels. It's, it's very, um, it's very much like their speaking voice.
0: Yeah. And, and if, and as singers, you kind of pick up on that. Like if you're doing like a Steve Perry thing, a lot of his resonance is nasally. It's kind of up in that, that just where his, where you hear that sound coming out. Um, or you have like a – like if you're doing sticks, like Dennis DeYoung or something, he's, he's a very open vowel guy. Uh-huh. Like yep. you, would, you would think about his mouth kind of being like in a smile, like an E kind of open kind of sound. That's, that's how yeah. he pronounces stuff. Think
1: about how he does, I'm sailing, right? It's the – Yes. Hopefully. It's all very open. I'm I'm the captain.
0: So right. climb aboard. Very open. Yep. Very vowel-y. Whereas you know, with with Michael McDonald, all the way back, he came from somewhere back in a long ago, and something about lowering your larynx gives you the ability to go into the upper range without cracking. Sentimental full. it's all kind of in that, it's it's all in the placement. Yep, and that's why he, when he even goes up into the higher parts, it it would, it's almost like he's singing in head voice in his chest voice. If that kind of makes sense, it, there's mm-hmm. just kind of like the placement is is kind of it kind of leans that way.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: This is fascinating stuff. You can tell that we're, we're getting in the weeds, but like in a, in yeah, a fun way. Yeah, we're
1: ner- nerding it yes. out in the worst way.
0: Well, I mean, we talk gear. This is, you know, <clears throat> internal gear. So That's right. That's For the right. record, there's like 12 more questions. We are so screwed.
1: Well, look, let's just head on to the next one because we're out of, the next one gets us out of like vocal mechanics yeah, nuts and and into sort of artistical choices, yeah. right? So, um, so the next question we got was, how important is it to do the song in the original key? Do you think it makes a difference to the crowd? What do you think, Adam?
0: Um, as a tribute artist, I think it does make a difference and I've got a, I've got an an anecdote to share. Um, but I'll go ahead and let you, uh, say your piece.
1: Um, I think it makes a difference, but I think, um, it certainly is the case that different keys sound different. Um, I think that what a crowd responds to in a cover tune is the energy matching the energy of the performance that's on the recording. And if you can bring it down a, you know, step or two or three and still have that energy. I think you'll get away with it, but it is a matter of getting away with it. It's not, um, there is a difference. Gotcha. That's my answer to that.
0: Well, and if you're playing heavy music, if you play it lower, it just sounds heavier, which is awesome. Um, to a point. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, you can take it to its logical conclusion. Yeah. Um, I'm a bit of a perfectionist and a stickler about this. And I feel like things should be performed in the original key to the original melody as much as possible. But you also have to understand that, you know, from my perspective, I'm selling nostalgia. So my, my intent and my focus is to present the material as close to the original as possible, because that's what people remember. Um, the, the anecdote that I wanted to, um, to kind of acknowledge is, um, for those of you who don't know who Mark Martell is, uh, do you know, does the name ring a bell? Nope. Uh, Mark Martell is a uh, is is a guy who used to sing in a Christian group who got kind of famous for singing A Little ditty by Queen on YouTube, hmm. uh, auditioning for the Queen Extravaganza. Um, oh. So okay. he was the guy that sang Somebody to Love that got the gig. Nice. Oh, and great. Um, moving along in his... Uh, in his career, he was also uh, tapped to do some of the voice work for Freddie Mercury's character in Bohemian Rhapsody. Great. So if, uh, if you have discerning ears, um, most of the stuff that you hear is either uh, original studio recordings of Freddie Mercury, but some of the um, kind of casual, non-studio stuff is Mark doing his, uh, his best Freddie impression. Uh, I-, I read an interview with him, where he was asking about, basically asking that same question. And he, you know, he's like, if, if it was my songs, because, again, he was the original artist, like, I didn't feel bad if I took liberty with the melody. But this is, you know, this is Freddie Mercury. Right. And it's my job to deliver the goods that Freddie would deliver. So he, um, he really had to work on... Um, a lot of the mechanics of his voice and how he could deliver things consistently because he knew that people were expecting him to sound like Freddie would. Yep. And you want to talk about a guy who's, who's the student of, uh, of, of what, of his job, man, God, seriously, he's, he's got a video where he kind of talks about how he does what he does. And I mean, a lot of it boils down to biology. He just, he, his voice is built in a way that you know sounds like freddie mercury's does but he also understands that like you know when they recorded bohemian rhapsody he was much he was much softer it was more of a delicate there was a bit of a vulnerability to it but by the time they hit live aid there was none of that it was just straight just power
1: yeah it was all fire
0: and and he can he he can do that like he he did both and i was like i'm oh like the guy's just amazing <laughs> and he's a super solid dude um super down to earth uh he's a friend of a friend of a friend and um i don't nobody has anything bad to say about the guy so more sure. power to him yeah so yeah i would say do it in the original key and if you can't there's some stuff about that the, the follow-up question is what do you guys think about bands that tune down a half step we tuned down a half step um you know it was it was a conscious decision we made initially because you know a lot of the 80s hair metal stuff was already down a half step Mm-hmm. And so, to have guitars that were tuned up and tuned down didn 't make any sense. it was easier to just tune everything down um, and it is easier it 's one less <laughs> it's it's a, <laughs> a half step lower that you have to sing on every song every night so so
1: do you you tune down your your uh, tracks then yep huh okay
0: um if you are getting them from karaoke version oh yeah, easy to do yep, you can tune them a step up or a step down uh it 's not a big deal and um we don 't do it there there is, some of them we do in the original key. Um, a lot of the female songs we do are in the original key, even though we're tuned a half step down. We just do them up a half step to standard, basically.
1: So you song, manually, you manually tune them back up as you play them.
0: No, no, like we we play like physically play them. So if the song was in right, right, the right. song is in A and it's in concert A, we just play in the B flat position. Right, right, that kind of thing. Right. Um. So. The next question was uh, thoughts on taking songs down an octave if you're having a hard time. So the example that the listener gave is also one that I think that you do as well, which is doing "Take on Me." Mm-hmm. So you, at what point do you drop down the octave? The final note. So in, in a day or two, is that in when a you drop day it? Day
1: or two. Yep i don't go I don't go up to that one. Gotcha. Um, but I play, I sing the rest of it exactly as exactly as written. Um, and now here's the thing. I think, <clears throat> I think taking it down an octave is correlated very closely with the question of, do you do a song as recorded or do you do your own version of it? Cause yeah. if you take it down an octave, you're doing your own version of it. Yeah. And I think either is fine. I do respect and I'd sing it down an octave from where Aretha did it. And I turn it into kind of a guy singing it song and it kills. Um, but I'm not doing an Aretha impression. I'm deliberately not. Yeah. It, I'm, I'm making it my own, and I am singing it an octave down. Partially because there's no way I could get to some of the stuff that she gets to. Sure. But also just because um, it's kind of a boy-girl song, and um, I guess it's a partner-partner song. I don't have to gender it. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I um, putting it in my voice, I want it to feel different than it did when she sang it. Yeah. So it's an artistic choice. Um, I think um, – I think dropping a song an octave, and and not understanding that that's happening is probably a mistake. Yeah, um, but I don't have a problem with with people making an, you know taking artistic license with covers. I think it's part of, part of the thing that's valid to do with them. Sure. Now you were talking about respect, right? Mm-hmm. Now that's an Otis Redding song, so you're not I really know.
0: you're not really doing an Aretha version. You could just do the Otis Redding version.
1: Well. That's true, but I've never actually heard the ah. Otis Writing version. I probably ought to, but um, but nobody knows or cares about the Otis Writing version.
0: Well, you could probably split the difference. Or you could say do the Aretha arrangement in the in the Well I'll in the Otis I,
1: key. I do I am covering Aretha's version with my own style. There are yeah. things that I'm quoting her on. There there are ways that she sings it that I quote. Um, Verbatim, but an octave down, but I'm, but at the same time I'm making the whole thing mine and it's, um, um, I have heard the Otis Redding version. I take that back, but you know, the one that's in everybody's ears, cause that's what you're doing as a cover band is you're reaching into people's brains and you're activating their memory of a song. Yep. Uh, the one that's there to be activated is Aretha's. Yeah. And so, um, so that's what my cover's based on, but it's, but I'm also making it my own and part of that means dropping it an octave. Yep. Um, So,
0: you know, talking about Take On Me, we do Take On Me and I do do it, we do it in the original key and I go, Mm -hmm. I go for the, I go for the jugular, um, and for us, like, you know, my range is a part of the selling point for the project. Totally. Totally. So, and, and that is one of those songs where people are like, you, you do it and people are like, oh my God, like, I can't believe it. So, um, it is one of the, one of my party tricks, um, (sighs) Oh, I have a party trick. What
1: is it? We do um, "Lovely Day" by Bill Withers. Oh, you do the long, the long, long, and I do the long, long at the end. And um, it's interesting to look around the room and notice like who's aware that I've actually been holding this note for like many seconds at this point. Every now and you know, like by the time I get to where that note ends, maybe fifteen percent of the room is looking at me with their jaws on the floor, and the rest don't care. Awesome, but I but I enjoy it. I just picked up a gig, like right
0: now. Yeah? Yeah. Sweet. Love it. I just got to make sure that uh, I can do it. I think I
1: can. I'm multitasking, man. Yep. <sighs> that, I will tell you, that that long note at the end of Lovely Day, um, <clears throat> long notes like that are a matter of pacing your air consumption. Yep. Yeah, right, we got to breathe real deep, and in fact, you, yeah, I, I start breathing hard for it about two bars before it starts. Yeah, so you kind of like, well, have to like
0: make here. sure that you've got you've got some in reserves because you know yep. when when you're singing, you're only you're only like skimming off the top of your lungs. Yep, it's just little sips here and there. Um, one thing, I, you know, I've been going to the doctor for labs and stuff, and he's always checking my lungs. He's like, "Oh, your lungs are real strong," and it's really because you know. I sing, and you know we're, mm-hmm. we're just accustomed to doing that, but uh, Ya Rock of you did lovely Day as well, and and I think I'm trying to think of the the, the account that we did it in because it was basically I think two full rounds of the lovely day lovely day mm-hmm. I did, it's two straight through if you, can, if you can pace yourself right. yep, and the hardest thing yep. is maintaining um, maintaining your, in- your intonation. Because as Keeping you hit, run, yeah, as you run out of yeah. air, you kind of start feeling yourself starting to drift because it takes more effort to maintain the note. Yeah, like the actual note. So
1: that's well, something both you do. Pitch have to, and level, both pitch yeah. and volume. It's it's it starts to get, you know, which is why um, you got to get right up on the mic and you got to use as little air as possible to yep. produce that note so you can squeeze it for as long as you can. And um, it's just it's a good trick. It's yeah. very good trick.
0: It's like. Um, I don't know if you, like, you see a dancer, and they start doing, like, a, they call them fuetes where, like, they start spinning. You get, mm-hmm. I think, three full rotations before people just spontaneously start clapping. They just can't right, help themselves.
1: Right, right, right,
0: right. Yep. Right. Good stuff. Um, original key. Bands tuned down a half-step. Uh, Taking down an octave. Ah, uh, okay,
1: okay, good. Do it. <clears throat> so I have something to say about this next one. <laughs> Do you make your best effort to remember the lyrics to every song you or do you use a book or a tablet to read the lyrics? And the answer to that is yes. yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, uh, I'll, answer, I'll go ahead and say first. Yeah. Um, I have a tablet with me as I play. I am making my way through the set list as I go. Some of that might include having the the chart for the song I'm playing in front of me. Not always. Um, I am off book for an awful lot of it. Um But I have it there, and I have no shame about that. And why is because it feels to me like a professional move to take my memory out of the equation. Yeah. And um, if you watch, you know, as people point out, whenever this comes up on the internet and it becomes a whole big flame war, um, pretty much all the pros have teleprompters in front of them, even though they wrote the song and they played them how many billions of times. Well, all right, okay, but they're McJagger and they're freaking ancient now. Or this is
0: song, you know, one out of. 780 songs they've written.
1: Totally. Totally. You know, for me, all right, I haven't written that many songs, but I'm covering 60 tonight. Yep. And, uh, and I, I'm not, I'm not as old as Jagger. I move like him, but I'm not as old as him. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yet I'm old enough that sometimes I have the brain for it that kills my show dead in its tracks. And I, uh, I am not going to have that happen, but I am off book for almost all of the show that is, um, regular material. And, you do really have to make a point of not getting sucked down into it, you know, keeping your engagement with the crowd up. Um, but um, once you kind of have good chops about that, it's not a big deal.
0: Yeah. Um, I disagree. <laughs> yep. I, my, my issue with um, charts is as follows. Um, I was in a gig where I was playing... I was a sub, and so I I had charts for everything because I needed them, and the band was like, that's fine, we'd rather you do well than you know try and be off book and screw up because the arrangements were very specific and there were cues and things that needed to happen. Um, but what happened in that gig was even as I continued to do those gigs and fill in for those people and sing those songs, I never learned them because I my brain... Kind of knew it didn't have to. Sure. So that's always been my issue, and it's it's happened before. Like the first gig that we did um, in the first iteration of the '80s band, I had I had a, a, an iPad on stage um, for a couple of songs that I hadn't quite gotten under my belt. Um, but it took me way way longer to get those songs memorized because my brain just wouldn't commit it to memory. It was prioritizing other things, so I kind of learned, in at least for my personal experience, that if I don't force myself to memorize it, and I use, you know, uh, a crutch of some kind, um, it uh, I won't remember it, and it'll take long. Okay,
1: count- okay, counterpoint. Um, you're right about all that. You're right about all that. But who cares? Well. No, no, no. Hang on. No, Stick it, with it, me.
0: That's, it's a totally valid point.
1: Yeah. I mean, but it, you know, I,
0: I, the answer for me is I care.
1: Well, okay. Okay. Listen, if you – if you, um, that's valid. That's fine. That's fine. And, you know, listen, anyone can have any opinion they want about this, and it doesn't change how anyone should do their band. Yep. Um, I, um, I agree with you. It's really easy to have the presence of a memory prompt like that um, impact – your crowd connection and impact your performance. So that's just a muscle you got to build. Um, let's say you never learned quote unquote, whatever that even means, any of the songs in your show. And you could, you know, you were using a prompt for that. And so you could focus on other things. I- I'm not sure that's a bad thing. As long as it doesn't get in between you and the audience. That's the crucial part. Well, and That's, but that- that's the, that's the non, that's the non-starter for me.
0: The reason, the only reason why that that particular gig worked, was because it was it was yacht rock and, and we wore sunglasses the entire time and it was our job to be aloof to the audience. <laughs> well,
1: okay, but I'm, I mean, here's what I'm like saying: like you
0: were tasked with basically looking over their heads the entire night, like that that was a part of the job.
1: <laughs> yeah, I get it. Listen, nobody's going to come to a Clanky Lincoln show and have any complaint about our audience contract. Yeah. Yeah, it's just not a thing, and it's it's because we have worked with these devices for long enough and we've, I mean, we do know the songs we played them all a long time. We rehearse well. And, um, and those things are there for us as a fallback, but not to be read from note by note. Yep. And, um, um, like I say, there are a lot of ways to do it wrong. There's a lot of ways to use it in a way that impacts your performance. You just got to be careful not to do that. But, um, but as long as you're doing that, I personally have, I I think, I think it's a, I think it's a actually good move.
0: Like I said, I, I'm a perfectionist and, and I, you know, I'm going to the trouble of singing all the songs in the freaking original key with the original melody. <laughs> of course, I'm going to be the person that doesn't use an iPad for the lyrics. You know, I'm, sure. I'm, I'm that guy. Yeah. Um,
1: I promise you the audience doesn't care. There's yeah, some guy I, I in the who's leaning against the back wall with his arms crossed who cares, but nobody else cares.
0: Yeah. Like I said, I, I'm my bi- biggest critic and that is just one of those things that, you know, I prefer. And so it's, it's, I mean, it's my fault. I have, I'm, I'm just putting more pressure on myself. Like I'm not doing, I'm not doing myself any favors by feeling this way. Um, And if I have a, if shoot, if I'm subbing for somebody, all bets are off. It's not my job to know these songs off book. It's my job to sing them night of. Right. And when I do acoustic gigs, I've got one uh, because I don't sing these songs all the time. And I, I will pull things out of the old, you know, Mm hoo-ha. Um, because that's how those gigs work. So, you know, there there's there's a time and place for everything. In members only and, you know, the bands that I curate, it's not. But it doesn't sure. mean it's it's not for it, it is or it isn't for you. So.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: Different strokes, y'all. Uh
1: except for shorts on stage.
0: We write never, never ever ever. Except have, maybe
1: at this uh the frat party yes at the beach, beach thing, party so,
0: my problem is like my shins are disgusting <laughs> no like seriously you guys like seven years ago or six years ago i was doing crossfit and i ripped my shin open on a box jump it never healed right it's wow. still like i've got this weird looking like discoloration on my skin my dermatologist says it's perfectly normal it doesn't look normal it looks gross as hell
1: so so y'all won't see me
0: y'all won't see me in shorts on stage ever
1: well it's probably for the best
0: yep that's just how we feel about it so um, where where are we at time
1: wise let's just check the clock
0: we are pushing an hour Uh, so it looks like we've got we've got probably six more questions
1: well and here's what's cool the rest of these kind of get into what it is to be a front person
0: yeah why don't we let's cut it off here um and if there's anything, we'll, we'll go ahead and call this for, for tonight, and if you have any follow-up questions, you heard something that knocked something loose, and you've got a follow-up question, um, go ahead and hit us up uh, at coverbandconfidential at gmail.com or hit us up on the Facebook page or group, um, and we'll just roll it up into next week's. Yep. But yeah, I think, man, we we crushed it. This was a really fun episode. It was really good. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope, you know, if your guitar player uh, didn't listen to this episode or if you're the guitar player and you think your singer should listen to this episode send them a link <laughs> we, we could always use more listeners um, thank you guys again for your continued support uh, yeah hope you guys have a good week from Atlanta, Georgia I am Adam Johnson
1: and from Greensboro, North Carolina I'm Dan
0: Ray you've been listening to the Cover Band Confidential podcast episode 40 something because I didn't check stay fresh cheese bags